All right, social media family. Thank you yet again for joining us for another installment of the Discipling Through Philippians series. Now we are on lesson eight tonight. Lesson eight. So we're going to start in chapter three tonight. So what we'll do, we'll just go to Philippians three and then we're going to do what we do. Chew on these scriptures and, and see what we can pull from God's word. So let's look at verses 1 through 4, Philippians 3, verses 1 through 4. And let's come from the New Living Translation. And it reads like this. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I have, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Okay, now, let's look at verse one. Okay. Now he's talking to the church of Philippi, all right, referring to them as brothers and sisters, dear brothers and sisters, and the King James says brethren, so we're talking about family here. Now you see this word rejoice here, rejoice. What does that word mean, rejoice? A joy, excitement, happy party. <laughs> okay, all right. Excited, rejoice. All right, all right, being happy, party. All right. So it sounds like a verb. It's like an action. Right? Yes. Rejoice. All right. Like the song says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. All right. Rejoice. So basically, we're talking about an expression of joy. Right? It's, a, it's an expression of joy. When we rejoice. Now, why is this something that, because you hear Paul encourage us to do this, you hear David encourage us to do this. Why is it so important to rejoice? Well, I mean, did the work, I mean, I've heard joy described as not because of, but in spite of. So it is um, something you have to do. It's something we do that goes against the grain. Okay. All right. It goes against the grain. It, it's, it is something that we do in spite of what's happening around us, whatever the circumstances is. It is something that we 
choose to do, even in the midst of, you know, chaos or whatever the case may be. Like a state of being. Right. Instead of a state of feeling. Right. I don't feel like rejoicing. I don't feel like joy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you feel. Your spirit is already, already in joy. It's always it's part of the fruits. And re always means keep doing, rejoice. Mm-hmm. To reply, you know, repeat, rejoice. That's good. And rejoice is a verb. Yep. But it's the re, and it's like keep doing it, rejoice. Mm-hmm. You rejoice. It, it also gets specific about what the rejoicing Yeah. It says rejoicing the Lord. So it makes you very to what you will. My rejoicing in the Lord as far as so my focus is on what he has done what he is going to do so that's my that's where my rejoicing comes in that's where I choose to rejoice in the Lord not in my everyday maybe walk when things are not going crazy because you know things can change all the time but my rejoicing in the Lord so you compromise yourself of what he has done, what he's already done. That's good. That's good. Because you you mentioned that joy is a fruit of the spirit. So it's 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 a very part. It's it's a part of who we are in the spirit now, as believers. That is a gift we've been given. The fruit of joy, and Scripture says, the joy of the Lord is our strength and then like you had mentioned too when it says rejoice in the lord then you're getting the the focus of okay what is the object of my joy right what is the what is the source of my joy it's not externals it's in the lord in the fact that he loves me he died for me he is my savior my king, my Lord, he has given me a home forever. He has given me his spirit. All these things are, they transcend our temporal life or the, 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 the things that we go through on, day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis. Right. So if my attention is on what he has done and who he is and my relationship with him, then I'm in a position where I can abide in that joy. I can rejoice because how hard is it to rejoice in your circumstance? Because our circumstances do what? They like stock market. They go up and down. So yeah, I love the fact that he didn't. He just didn't say rejoice. He said rejoice in the Lord because you know there may have been situations. And I like what we said, well, you know what? Uh, I ain't got to rejoice about. Yeah, we're supposed to be happy now. We're supposed to rejoice. Right. Look at all these things going on. When Paul even said the Corinthians, you know, you got trouble on every side. You know, so yeah. you're like, okay, what am I supposed how would I if you're looking at the external, okay, what I gotta rejoice about? I got this wrong, I got this wrong, I got this wrong, I got this wrong. And you count on, you know, you ain't got enough fingers to count on everything that that's went wrong probably during the week. Everybody in this room. Right. You know, and so therefore, like he says, the choice. Like he said, the object is rejoicing in the Lord because yeah. that is the object. That's where my joy comes from. The Lord, yeah. 
maybe you know too. I mean, it's the same chance like you know the Lord, you know, rejoicing. But um, no matter what our circumstance looks like, we're, we have joy because we know what the truth really is. Like no matter what the outside looks mm-hmm. like, we know what God's word says, what God said to us, how much He loves us. Like we're saying, you know, mm-hmm. we look at that. First Thessalonians five eighteen. Rejoice evermore. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Let's look at verse two. All right. Well, hold on. No, let's let's stay in one. Where he says, Paul says, "I never get tired of telling you these things." All right. So he don't he don't get tired of preaching the same sermon now. Yeah. <laughs> He did neither. Right. And it's good. Yeah, exactly. I do it to safeguard your faith. Mm-hmm. I do it to safeguard your faith. And, you know, I'm not going to mention what the, the prayer requests were before we, we started to stream, but it is that is a prime example of why it is so important to know not to float from here to there and everywhere without covering the fundamentals of the gospel. Like, do you really understand what the good news is? Like, yeah. because that, that you know, the, the simple stuff, Jesus loves me, this I know, because why the Bible tells me so, right? There you go. Now, how big of a revelation that is? Now, I don't have to, I don't have to go to seminary to get that, no. right? But if, if, if you can get that on the inside of you to the point where you, you believe it, where it is a it is a foundational core belief of yours, it is gonna revolutionize the way you, you do life. Yeah. I'm just thinking about I mean, it's I say this, we, we have to be careful. And that's one thing I think we teach here, is that we gotta be careful not to look for a word coming from this way instead of where it coming from. That's very important. Horizontal. We always look for it because I think a lot of times people, you know, I want, you know, prophecy. And yes, I'm not so against all that. Next I'm not against all that. I know that's no, still no, prevalent. No, but I think a lot of people get caught up on that where I need a prophecy from this person or that yeah. person. And a lot of times we get caught up. We end up going from place to place because we so really hearing prophecy or this person says and this person Instead of saying, okay, you know, God, let me hear from you. Yeah. I want to hear from you. I, so I heard what they said yeah. and I agree with it, but I want to hear from you. I want to get a grammar word for myself yeah. to know, okay, that what they said is already confirmation of what you've already pretty much told me or going to tell me. And so, therefore, I think that'd be one of the things that keep people from going from place to place because you know it's always this new thing it's like oh i heard that oh he sounds good she sounds good and so you end up bouncing because you know but you know i like the fact that yeah. we're training okay here from because always sometimes you know i've talked to him and he says okay well the holy spirit got to yeah that the holy spirit should be on that yeah. That is true, and, and and that's the thing, right? Because sometimes you gotta allow people to say, okay, you gotta say, I don't know, but you gotta, 
let God hear that. Or, you know, you can give somebody a prophecy, but a word, but they say, well, but if you're not sure about what I'm saying, pray about that. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you hear God. I know I'm telling you this, this why I feel like God, but make sure you hear God on this also. Exactly, yeah. um, I was saying, like, you and I have had, I've seen the same prophet, like, at the church we used to go to, like, they spoke, they felt that mom and I went up in prayer, and then, Mm -hmm. I think it was just some things we went through, y'all need to go separate. I was like 17. I needed my mom there, but anyway. But then the, the guy, I mean, he like really, he stopped and he goes, I really feel like y'all need to pray together. And that was wonderful. It was amazing. He prayed and he goes, I feel like God's going to use y'all together. And it's been, it was God. I mean, it's been confirmed a million times. My mom and I have been used together. But then the same guy, I mean, this is where we miss it. And I know this was not a, not just for us, but it was not a godly principle at all. He like burst into tears in front of me, praying for me and said, God is going to mess with your world. He's going to start messing with your world to see how dedicated you are to the call of intercession on your life. <laughs> and trust and believe, I thought that that was right at the time I accepted that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any friends as it was. And I was a lonely 16, 17-year-old. And I'm like, praise you, Jesus, to look back. That was not God's will for me. But, you know, we said we got to be careful. You know, you got to hear from yeah. God, you know, and his word, his truth. I like hearing that even Andrew said, he goes, even if I come up and tell you something, he goes, that thus says God, he goes, go talk to God about it. Yeah. I don't care what it is. He goes, I could miss it. Right. He goes, and then Andrew also. He goes, but just go talk to God and get a, you know, confirm. And if you're not sure the first time, talk to him again until you're sure. You've heard him because he wants to tell us. And Andrew also mentioned, too, to us when we had been ministered to by him in Charlotte. He, I was telling him about something this minister had said or whatever, and I believe it was a minister, but... They were, it was not good. It was they had like went to hell and it was not some good stuff. And anyway, I told Andrew it was bothering me and I said, I knew a lot of the truth, but what did I do? And he goes, Go through the word. He told me, He goes, If the word, if it, if it, if it um, countered, countered the word, you know, the word counted, he goes, Let me, he goes, I've had, he had somebody come up to him with a prophecy she wrote down and it was not good. He tore it up in front of her and she was like, He goes, This is not, you know, it's not against, it's against the word of God. No, you know, right. there you go. So important, like we said, God's character, His truth, His mm-hmm. love, His work. You know, and see the gift of prophecy now, honestly, is supposed to be a confirming of what is already on the inside of you, yeah. right? So it's like when you make a purchase online, you you get you put your information in, you click submit, you've had a transaction with that. Mm-hmm. Merchant, yeah. right? Yeah. Prophecy is supposed to be that confirmation email that you get back. That makes sense. I was thinking. I thought that's what that you know mm-hmm. meant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not. It's 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 not that we're we're searching from some for some outside voice. Now, obviously, God in His mercy, He will send people to give words when, especially when if folks are going the wrong way. Right. And, and it, there's a need for an abrupt and the, the course correction. Right. But us being in the position where the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us as New Testament, New Covenant believers, everybody that is born again on earth now, the Holy Spirit is inside you. 
So the very the very spirit of God is resident on the inside of you. So if we when we need guidance and wisdom, he's the one. The source. So anything that anything that we get from the outside is all it's supposed to be is confirmation. You know, there's there, there's some 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 doubt about how I heard what I heard specifically or, you know, some some other things. Those words on the outside, I suppose it just be confirmations. Let's go to um, 2 Peter 1. Since we're talking about prophecy, 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 19. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to verse 16. All right, and then we're gonna go down to verse 21. All right, I'm gonna stay in the New Living Translation, and this is this is Peter, his letter. He says, "For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes, when he received honor and glory from the." From God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my beloved, dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or, or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So you see how what Peter says here in verse 19, that outside of his experience gave even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. But what was the foundation? It's the word, right? It's the word. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Andrew talks about that a lot. Andrew Womack does. He'll say this is the more sure word. Like he'll be like he's so big about that. You know, that's interesting because we were just talking about that story earlier. I swear we were on the way here. We were talking about different things, talking about God and how he's walking on our lives and stuff and um ups and downs and things. And Andrew Womack where he earlier in his days, like after he had, had his, you know, encounter with God and stuff when he was like eighteen, but it was he was I think he was already engaged to Jamie at this point. That minister that tried to speak a bunch of like bad stuff, yeah. and then y'all might remember that story. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he had told him anybody hadn't heard it might be listening, but to make a quick brief synopsis, he um he was at a church, and anyways, the minister he was he said, I mean, this man he should have been dead like by like medical statistics, he was like dead anyway, you know, he should have been dead. But he had talked about God and called him to be on a fast of the word, he's gonna call Andrew to be on a fast, he was at the table and told him all this stuff. And then Andrew 
and he said he was going to be sick for a while and all this stuff. And, you know, he said he was listening to it all, but he said what caught him was a fast from the word. He goes, I may not have known much. He goes, but I knew that God's word said I was supposed to meditate in that day and night. He goes, I stood up. He goes, I go, I reject this. I reject what you're saying. I, you know, whatever. I'm and out of here. and he, he, he took Jamie by the hand and they went. And he goes, if I hadn't been in the word and, you know, it was, it wasn't, I mean, People will read the Bible day and night and not get it, but he had that relationship with God. And mm-hmm. He said, you wouldn't have heard of Andrew Womack Ministries. It would never have been this. He goes, I'd have been dead probably. <laughs> I go, it's so important, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. We have a more sure word of prophecy. So everything falls under the checks and balances of the scripture. Right? Yeah. You know, now, and when we say this, the... the the scripture rightly divided. Right. Rightly divided. Now, this is a good lead in, though, to this second verse here. Now, in the King James, it just simply says, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And then you look at the, the footnote, it's a mutilation. All right. In the Passion Translation, I want to read that in verse two. It says, beware of those religious hypocrites who teach that you should be circumcised to please God. So beware of dogs. It's true today in our religious kind of like circle, we we could translate it, you know, with circumcision then, but it could be anything. What well, it could be, you have to cut your hair, you have to join your church, you have, have to yeah. do something, and instead of you do something from the heart, you know, you just, you're pleased, you're, God is pleased with you because of Jesus, and then the rest of the stuff, the things you're really supposed to do, that's just going to naturally flow mm. out, you know. I'm still tripping over this. Beware of dogs. <laughs> I mean, this is this is Paul talking to the Philipp- the Church of Philippi. <laughs> Beware of dogs. <laughs> He's not talking about pit bulls and, and rock <laughs> yeah, no, no, <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty strong word to use for you know, I guess you could say false prophets or people like that. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty strong. Just you went in. <laughs> it's like, I never. Yeah. It's pretty much a pretty strong insult there. Yeah. Yes. I never. Call yes. me a dog. Now, I'm going to read from these study notes. It says, the New Testament uses the word dogs in both the natural and metaphorical sense. The Jews use this term when describing Gentiles. With the idea of them being ceremonially unpure, impure, and sinful. In the Old Testament, the Lord used this term to refer to a male prostitute. Deuteronomy 23, 23, 18. Wow. Yeah. He went in. Yeah. 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 When we talk about the circumcision, right, and how 
what the Judaizers were doing in the church at Galatia, right? What, what, what was going on? There was this mixture going on, right? Where where they're, they're, they're trying to use a use the law to become more righteous, right? to elevate their godliness by doing the works of the law. And how much, how much greater of a trap than you can can you set for a young for a young believer than to introduce law to him? It's detrimental. It can be anyway. Right, and 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 hold this carrot in front of them, getting them to believe that their law keeping is what's earning them status before God. That's earning their, their earning their relationship. Yes, it's you. At first, it's come as you are, you know, come as you are, um, just as I am. And then we talk about as soon as you get in there, then you, they want to put you under a bunch of law. Mm-hmm. You got to do this and this and this. And like I said, the carrot or the bar just keeps getting each time you achieve one. Oh no, it's, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. No, you just keep having to climb it or the carrots. Come on, a little further, a little further, a little further. No, you ain't reached it yet. No, no, no. I know it too, as well. We've talked about this. It's, um, like in, in our society too, you know, like in America and stuff, you know, the father's gone out of the home a lot. Or the, you know, the term father, you know, we have great fathers around. Even some present with us, I know. But like, you know, in general, like there's, you know, a, a lack of that in our society. In general, it's like sad because, you know, me being, you know, I came through the religion stuff and I'm a, Poor mom trying to do everything, and not having my dad around like I should. It really draws you into religion because it's you know, you have this God. He's a father. Come as you are, like we said, and you do that, and then you know you're at a certain age, you know, especially like in your teens or something or your twenties, and you hear, but you need to do this. And it's like an upgrade on Christianity. It's always a draw. It's like I'm doing this now, and God, this pleases God. This pleases your dad. You know, you're thinking dad in your mind. God is a father. Oh, well, my father, I never had him around for whatever reasons, you know, this each person. And this is going to earn something, earn something. It's this addiction you get into, or this, like, I got to get, I got to do, I got to do more. The dark's higher. Mm-hmm. And it just almost kills you, you know? Wow. Just like, that's society, that's wow. That's, that, is, that is extremely deep. Well, see, I, I sympathize. I'm going to step back. I sympathize when I read this because I did this. I, I was doing mixture. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and, but I didn't realize I was doing mixture. And so, you know, your intentions are good because, you know, you want, when I step back and look at this, like this kind of, you want the behavior to match what they believe. And so, and, and so you get caught up on um, work based religion. Yeah. Work performance, religion, and you get caught up on that because you know you want the behavior to match the profession. But I learned um, preaching law is not going to make them. It's going to make them worse, right? Right. It's right. going to make them worse. Yeah. And so when you learn that, because you know the more the, the, the stronger you preach it, you know they says, "Hey, I mean, what did what did Paul say?" It, it's, it's strengthened sin. Yeah. 
it what gives you some strength. And then, but you know, when my eyes open to that, it says, okay, so me preaching the law is not going to make people behave better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, it's just going to, you know, and then, but when I, you think about it the other way, you preach grace, it brings freedom. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I did, I step back now and say, okay, now I'm free. You know, I'm not worried about God gonna get me. I'm not worried about that if I miss the mark before I die, that I'm gonna slip into hell. I'm not that stuff that will phase me because I understand the relationship's intact. Okay, and as we talk about a lot of things, the father, okay, I have a relationship. If I want to if I love my father, then I'm motivated by love to do what's right. And even if I miss the mark, you know, a good father what? If you fall off the bike, what are you gonna do? Run, pick you up, you know. Yeah. You know, um, take care of all your injuries and yeah. you know, help you back on there. Yeah. Get back up there. So that been mindset is like to me, it's better than saying, Okay, look what you did. And this is what you're gonna get for. And if you do it again, it's gonna be worse. And so that doesn't motivate when you think even an actor that doesn't motivate people to do better. It puts you in fear. Yeah. Which, you know, you can be motivated by fear, but that's not going to last long. It's yeah. not going, as we talk about, it's not going to be a relationship. Yeah. Intimate relationship. It's just going to pretty much say, because you know what, you know you'll mess up again. So it's just going to make you, what, when somebody messed up and then fear, they're going to hide. They're going to stay away from you. Because mm-hmm. I know if he find out what I did, yeah. then I'm in, I'm in worse trouble than what I was before. Yeah. So, like I said, I sympathize because, but I thought I was, yeah, um, preaching the gospel, you know, me too, by, yeah, make sure like, everybody, this you is know, the way to go, yeah. Say you say by, you know, grace through faith, but you know what? If you if you mess up tomorrow, you're going yeah. to hell. So people were like, okay, you know, so you you you're walking your Christian walk. Scared of that, trying to walk toe that line, yeah. hoping that you don't lean too much to the left, too much to the right. Yeah, you know. So, but it, and I said, I said, but, but I think a lot of, and, and maybe in my case, they don't really understand that they are mixture. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it, it blinds you to that, to where you think it's. Oh, this is what it says. You know, like you can study a set of scripture for years, and then like your eyes get open to grace, and then mm-hmm. and you go, wow. Need something different than what I thought, you know. And yep. So when I heard from Crepe, I remember when I think that I started listening to him, and I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And he kept me. I kept listening. I was like, you know, my head was saying, this sounds right. Yeah. And I was like, but you know, of course, you don't know how to explain it yourself. Yeah. So you keep listening. It's like, okay, but. This sounds right like the God of the Bible. Yes. But then you're saying, but then when you're taught the other way, you're like, okay, so. Feels foreign. Yes, conflict. Like, so how do I teach? I know what I'm hearing is right, but how do I teach? How do I get this message across? Exactly. Without going back to the law based message. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry, you find lines. Yeah, and you like you, you struggle, you toss and turn, you're like, okay, because I don't want, you know, of course the Paul talk, but we've said it before in Romans, you you're not teaching people that sin is okay. 
And so grace gets that uh, that reputation that if you teach grace, yeah. well, you can you know you teach grace like Paul taught it. Well, you know what? Just teaching people this the license in it's okay. They don't go out and just sin, 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 sin. No, when you teach Ram Titus what two eleven says, okay, it's gonna teach you to go away from ungodliness and exactly. worldly lust when you teach it right. Because when you yeah. show when our grandfather scripture say, okay, so that's what grace goes to. It teaches you to avoid those things, not run to those things. Ever since God, ever really, you know, it, it opened me up so much in my life to realizing God was a father, what the father was supposed to mean. And I said, I can't learn more, I definitely learn more every day, but it's just that really helped me not to literally lose my mind over rights and wrongs because it was like, God didn't want me to have any fun. You can't do this, you can't do that, right. you can't, can't. And then I was like, and the mom would always encourage me, it's like, look at what you can do, but bless her heart for the time she didn't know that the list on my religious list, there was no cans, you know, but however, you know, when I realized I had some cans, I was trying to give her some cans. Wow, but the thing was, when I realized, I go, he's a father. And it just balances it out between, you know, you have this greasy grace over here, and you have this, like, hellfire brimstone over here. It's, and I said that one time God has shown me about, there was one sin I had asked him about, and I was like, what is this God? I don't understand it. I didn't know how to, like, think of it. Mm-hmm. It was a stop sign thing. I might have mentioned that before. It was... The law, not the law, the commandment or whatever it was, that's the stop sign. But there's a reason it's there. And then around the curve, cars coming, that's what could harm you. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, I've seen many people succeed and they still did not actually stop at the stop sign. And God showed me, it's like, that's what it is. It's God never leaves us. He's there. He gives them, He gives us these commands because he loves us. He doesn't want us to be hurt. And I, I look at different commands. I, I remember I'd be like, what about an abomination? I don't understand. Why God was that a higher punishment? Even though I know it's not now, but you know. Why was that this? And it was, think about it, Joy. Think about it. It was that the, the ones that were usually an abomination that could really harm you, like detrimentally harm you. I don't go, oh, you had a higher punishment. That's how parents do. You know, if you if you leave your toys out on the floor, what? You're generally going to say, like, if you don't pick that up, we'll put you in a timeout or spank or whatever the disciplinary action is. But if they're going to run out the road from a car, you're going to threaten to, to wail, you know, or to, to, to yell at because you don't love them. And that could really destroy them, you know, when I go, oh, you know, and it just really, it brought me personally just like, okay. it brought the heart to the head, you know. Good. Good. So now, looking at that analogy, right, you can see how. Paul is being so aggressive with this, with with with, with calling out the mixture, mm-hmm. right? Beware of dogs, because if you are someone who is isn't saved on the outside, and you only hear mixture, there's a there's a possibility that that you are, won't be in a place to really. Get born again. Because we are saved by what? Grace through faith. Not works to obtain favor or grace. It is grace through faith. But see, what this mixture does, it frustrates the grace of God. It, It makes it something to be earned and obtained. When, when it's already been established that all our righteousness is filthy rags. There's nothing that any of us can do to earn anything, yeah. to earn relationship. Not you getting circumcised, 
not you blowing your shofar, not you going to the soup kitchen every every weekend. None of these things. Wearing a skirt, certainly. Yeah. And which you know, and wearing doilies. Yeah. You know, all none of this stuff is is going to earn your interest into heaven. It is only by grace through faith in His finished work. Galatians, Galatians two. I want to read this real quick. Nineteen to twenty one. No, I'm sorry, verse 17. Start at verse 17. And we're going to stay in the New Living Translation. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back to 16. Okay. Right, again, we, we, we believe in the ministry of reading here. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's a good word. All right. 16 to 21. And that says, this is Paul here. After this interaction with Peter, in says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. 17. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I'm a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all his requirements so that I might live for God. Verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For I keep for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Verse, verse 21 in the King James says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. See, but my thing is when you, well, one thing the enemy tried to get you to not to embrace this is I know when I start really teaching this you know you feel like you're by yourself because this is not it wasn't I didn't hear it preached a lot and so you know you come in and think okay well the enemy say well you, you gotta be wrong because look what the majority is preaching look at what you hear on a, yeah. on, a on a Sunday you know morning basis yeah. you know when you turn the radio on what are, what are you hearing? You're hearing mostly mixture, as he said. Yeah. And that's what I hear a lot of mixture. Or you hear like extremes too. You know, you hear. Yeah, like, you hear a lot of mixture. No, 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 and then no, no, you no, said, no. you know, the enemy said, well, you know what? You've got to be 
wrong because look what everybody else is freaking. Look what everybody else is. And I'm not saying nobody's freaking, but you feel in the minority because you said, okay, hey, you know, whenever you turn the radio on, you hear that. Whenever you turn TV on, you hear this. And you see a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, right. And you, yeah. Right. Good God, thank you. Music, you hear mixture. Yeah, I'm on the streets. Uh, I'm telling you. Know, you know, and you're like, okay, wait a minute. You know, so you begin to. So mixed. Yeah. Right. So you question. You question this and this yeah. and this. Yeah, we can't even relax. Yeah. You, know? you question, well, am I on the right path? Because the minute I was going to take on am I on the right, you know, path? Well, am I preaching this right way? Because, you know, you, you, you're accountable, especially when you're a teacher, you're accountable. You know, so you don't want to teach people wrong, you know. You know, like I said, nobody's perfect, but the thing is, you want to make sure you got it right and be confident, but the enemy will, will beat you up, and when you're constantly hearing, you know, the, the stuff that you, I say, I grew up with, and now you run across and say, okay, wait a minute, no, that, that's, the, that's not the way you teach it, this is the way you teach it, and then, as he said, when you um, have the ministry of reading, and you read this, yeah. it's like, okay, well, that's what he's saying. Yeah. This is what it says. <clears throat> and so, you know, how can you just ignore that when that's what it plainly says? So, you know, yeah. so you have to, and I had to really get over that and said, okay, well, I'm, I have to be comfortable with not being in the minority because if this is what God's word is saying, I got to stand on what, what it says. Yeah, that's hard. We, we've talked with certain ones we love or whatever, but we'll mention Andrew Womack or Crockwood Mallow or different ones. You know, the kind of study we do, and you, well, I don't think I'm <laughs> God bless you, whatever, you know. All right. Now, um, uh, Brother David sent, us, sent me some. He um, referred to Revelation 22, 15. Says dogs are excluded from heaven. Dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Paul said, "Beware of dogs." All right. So all everybody who watched the movie, all dogs go to heaven. It's not biblical. My child is ruined. I'm teasing. Okay. <laughs> now let's 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 look at that though. I want I want to look at Revelation 22, verse 15. Mm-hmm. Chapter 22, verse 15. I'm reading um, in the New Living First and in the King James. And it says, outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. Mm. And they included in that group. Yeah. Yeah. And the King James says, for without, outside of the city, are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. So again, we, you know, we just seeing how serious of a rebuke this is and how big of a warning he's giving to the church of Philippi. Philippi to be beware of dogs. Wow. That's pretty deep. 
because it's grace message. I mean, if 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 you if there's a if there are impurities and mixture in it, then it can it can do do so much damage to the degree that it inoculates it can inoculate you from the truth. Yeah. And this is why, you know, Paul is so strong against this stuff. Because it and just like Julie was saying, you know, earlier when I was talking about how, you know, how deep of a revelation it is to understand the connection, right, between, you know, fatherlessness and and we could say the lack of a mother too, but actually, you know, any type of lack inside mm-hmm. the home when you're talking about child rearing as you as a as a child, right? When you when you you're looking for that nourishment, the acceptance, security, all those emotional needs, right? And the things that parents provide and a father provides. You take that away, then there's a, there's a there's a possibility, there's a greater sensitive uh, vulnerability for this person to be chasing that acceptance. And you can find yourself in a religious context yeah. doing that, chasing acceptance. It makes you feel secure, you know, it makes you feel like, <laughs> yeah. You know, then the leadership pats you on the back, you know, if you're like a church dad, oh, she's the godly girl or the godly guy, you know, whichever. And it's like, oh, yeah, I know the scriptures, I know this. And you're the star player, and it makes you feel so good, but it's empty, you know, there's something missing, you know, and then what if that all falls apart? What if you make a mistake? Right. Because if your if your security is based on your performance, there's gonna come a day where you're not gonna be able to perform. Yeah. yeah. And what's gonna happen then? Yeah. What's gonna happen then? And when that rejection comes, that's when the enemy's gonna come with that condemnation. And, and try to pull on all those old wounds from childhood. Right. And I think you also be, I think what also gets in there is when you put sin in categories. Because what happens is, you said, you know, if I'm <clears throat> based, my based on my performance, well, I may not be doing what you do. No, because your stuff is worse than mine. Mm-hmm. But like he says, um, I may be gossiping and doing stuff like, you know, and then of course self-righteous is in. I'm self-righteous. And I may be doing those things, but if you, you know, if you're doing the physical, you know, adultery, fornication, then I can point the finger at you and say, yeah, you know, <clears throat> Look at your stuff. But I'm not as bad as you. So God likes me more than you. Because my performance is better than yours. Yep. And so therefore, now I'm putting myself on the pedestal. I'm looking down at you. Because well, see, I'm basing my relationship on my performance. My performance is better than yours. Yeah. So that's what they with Andrew, what he did with the even he's about the law. 
Because think about we're supposed to obey the laws of the land. That could be considered a sin. Because here you are driving, you know, you're at 55 miles an hour, I think, and you're actually doing 56. And they clock you, pull you over, you're doing 56. Because technically, you're committing sin. Because you know, that's the same thing. Because what they try to live, oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. Because it's you know, all, I would notice, you it's know, all we, had, we had a, a thing we would do at our former church, and in a lot of ways it was good. It was called an encounter weekend, and we would go away at a hotel. Y'all might have heard of this, maybe whoever's listening might have heard of it, but you would go away for a weekend to a hotel. They'd minister to you. You would stay at, like, the women's day with one of the men, and they would just, like, you weren't supposed to talk about anything God was doing in your heart to them in the weekend. It was really nice in that way. I'll say that. But... We walk in from places where we don't really get it, you know, with the word and stuff. They would get you at the beginning to fill out this form of, it was between you and God. They didn't look over it as ministry and said, it was between you and God, keep with you. But it was any sin you could possibly think of on the list. And you checked off anything you don't, you said, just come clean with God. We're not saved. You know what I mean? You're looking back. And then we had a place, again, in a way this was lovely to remind us. And I feel like this would have been good without the list, but... We would look at the cross, we would just remind ourselves, you know, we walk through the cross and then that, you know, we get a clean sheet after. But the thing is, I would feel really, I don't know her mom, but I feel very pumped up after the weekend. Oh, I feel so good. I feel so clean, you know, whatever. But then life happens and you start doing stupid stuff again. And you wave with one finger, as they say, as Andrew would say, and if the person that drives by you on the highway, you know, you'd start to live, you know, and then it starts come down with that high, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just really, really, we just like pump up who you are in Jesus, you know, this is who you are instead of, oh, mm-hmm. I did this sin, this and X amount of sin, it's like, this is who you are in Jesus, you already got it, you know, and then it just naturally flows out, you know. So the, the practical application of that is like, we, if we can have an encounter weekend, can we have an encounter week? Where we are just encountering the Lord yeah. while we're making coffee and yeah. washing dishes. An encounter day or right. whatever shower. Right. Practicing yeah. the presence. Because that's what it is. Because, you know, it is those those times of special consecration and all that. I'm not going to speak against none of that because Jesus oh, yeah. did it. Right. Oh, no. Right. Because it's necessary. But the thing about it is, it's like I can't. I'm setting myself up for failure. If I esteem this pilgrimage or event and I, I, I receive from it, right? And then there's no day-to-day fellowship. Right. And I know this and and you know, coming back from Bible college and they talked about the Karis bubble, right? So Monday through Friday, typical week, you know, we're it's eight to twelve and you just it's just grace, like all all all, all day. Like you just just word, word and worship, all that twenty hours a week. Right. You go from that to I sixty four five days a week on the job eight eight to ten, eleven, twelve hours. It's a big difference. Yeah, it's a big difference. Yeah. And the people that are driving around you. Right. They're not, they not singing. Um, um, yeah, they're not singing. I'm a friend of God. They, yeah. That's not what I'm hearing. No. Right? Yeah. 
see this. So the atmosphere changed. So there has been an adjustment. It's like, you know, I'm like, Lord, I, it's, I'm, I'm not, I can't just go to chapel hour and get that worship time. When I get in this car before I go to work, got to be chapel time now. Yeah, yeah. Right? When I'm in the shower, it's got to be chapel time now. Yeah. Right? Because it, it otherwise, I'm going to lose that fellowship. Not in the sense that I'm disconnected from him, but my focus is going to shift yeah. on, on who he is, who I am in him, and and what he's called me to do, and how much he loves me. That focus is going to get shifted by life. Life, yeah. And then that's where the enemy's waiting around. Let's see how much they've been doing, been encountered, spending time. They said that about like youth camp and stuff too, because they were talking about it at the encounters, actually. They they would say, like to us, they would have post-encounter, they called it for like weeks or months where we'd follow up with stuff. And that was, I mean, you know, smart and they tried they try to encourage them, like, it's a try doing something good, but they would encourage us in our passion and be like, listen, you know, and they would talk to me, because I was like the youngest that would go to the encounters. Julie may know, with like being in a youth group, we would do like the youth events. You'd be all pumped up for youth camp, you know, and then you get home and, you know, this is not the same, you know, and I go, that's where it is, it's true, it's important. Um, I even had actually a father figure at the time, he and he, he used to be really big about his daughter, who was one of my really good friends at the time. He wanted her to go to camp. She was like, she came out the world heavy. I mean, like, in gangs and everything, he had adopted her. And he was at first, like, one year, he was like, yeah, she's going to camp, be camp, camp, camp. But then the next year, he was telling me, he goes, you know, if she wants to go, that's fine. And, and not that he was against it, but he goes, and I wanted to go just because I just did. But he goes, mm-hmm. he knew he went as a kid. He goes, he gets you to this, like, not a false atmosphere. It was God's presence. He goes, but then you're on the mountaintop. You can't live on the mountaintop all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Go down, you know, in the world. I go, yeah. Practicing the presence, though, yeah. Having a relationship every day, that's definitely the, the solution there. Hmm. I'm, I'm just looking at some of the, a couple of these questions on the um, study guide. Here's an interesting one, okay? Uh-oh. <laughs> interesting. Now, let's, all of us are working adults, right? All right. Let's say, in, oh, in the, and we got families, natural families. Question is, how would you handle the legalistic ways of the dogs? Say with some dogs in your family, some dogs at the workplace. How do you handle that? Because I, mean, I, I know I, I deal with this, but it's you have to just, I mean, you got to love them. You just got to, because if they're not willing to, you know, embrace what you're saying, then you just have to just say, okay, I mean, that's what you want to believe. Because it's, but it's amazing how, and I, we see this in an natural how people can, can stick with something that's not working more. Yeah. You know, they they're not getting the results that they they want to get, but 
they stick with something because well, this is what I know and this is what I've been taught from you know little man yeah and once I say this is what everybody else is teaching so when you present something different and they can know that it's right that they will still stick with what they've been because this is what I'm used to yeah you know so to make that transition so I think with people like that you just have to just Okay, well, yeah, I love you, but... Would you say maybe living it, too? I was thinking that just living in front of them? Like, yeah, I'm right, I agree, yeah, just living before. I was just that popped in my mind. I mean, I see people that, all the time. Right? And I mean, I've been to some people who, you know, I know my job or my family that I will correct them, and they would know that's right. And you know how it's just something, <laughs> how you know something, you, you pull it, but it just... After a while, I just bounce back to what is known familiar with. And so, even though what I said to you, you know, yeah, okay, that's right. But I'm so used to doing it this way that the moment I get in the circumstances, I just revert back to what. Yeah. And I guess that goes back to what the Bible talking about. You, your mind has to be renewed. Yeah. And I understand that takes time, you know, because nobody gets anywhere overnight. But there are some people who just, um, would deny, even if you read it. Because I remember telling somebody one time, um, you know, not to put them in that God judges your thoughts. Because, you know, and I showed them scripture where, um, where Jesus said, you know, uh, if you look at a woman with lust, that you've come and commit adultery in your heart. And they looked at me and said, well, no, nah, I don't mean that. But it's right there. Well, he must have meant, he, they was like, well, he must have meant something else. Okay, so what else did he mean? Um, well, maybe he was, they said it, it was a parable. No, it's not a parable. That's what he said. Yeah. He's not, he's not using a figure of speech here. He's telling you, under the law, if you look at a woman who loves, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> You've already committed. Yeah. He was like, "But no, I, I just can't agree. It don't mean that." Okay, how else would you explain this? You know what it might be. This is my mind thinking. This is because when you hear something like that, either if you're in religion, either you're going to subconsciously go, "It doesn't mean that," because you're dealing with things, or I mean, whoever it is, or you're going to try to do that. You're like, "I will not think this. I won't think this." And then if you if you don't understand grace. That's so high of a standard, you know, you'll never make it, you know, like you don't depend on God. So it's like, mm -hmm. no, that can't be that. Yeah. It's time to where you can't tame that. Right. Yeah. Where Jesus was just trying to, you know, make it that. that. It's about the heart. And you will never make it without me, you know. <laughs> right. That's because he just points himself. He's just elevating the standard of the law to where it is. Unattainable. Unattainable. That's all he's doing. That's he's doing. I kind of wonder if maybe Pharisees, I thought about that, I think recently where he was ministering that, you know, I guess that was in the Sermon on the Mount, when, you know, he was teaching it, that maybe some Pharisees were kind of peeking and they were always kind of spying on him. And maybe he kind of yelled a little louder. You know, it's like, well, I, you've heard it said that if you sleep, you know, if you sleep with a woman or a man, you know, outside of marriage, but I'm telling you, you know, kind of doing it to kind of make them think. You know, it's like, you can't do this without me, you know. Mm -hmm. And one of the scriptures that people, and we still use today, you know, that really condemns people 
you know, un, and under grace, you know, what Jesus said, and and I, I had to understand, he said this under law, and when Jesus was there, he was speaking of the prophet and the law. Remember, he said, you know, if um, you don't forgive people of their, you know, their oh, trespasses, gosh. then your father won't forgive you who you judge. And we use that scripture. Yes. And I, I'm giving myself, I used to I beat did. people up. And I then I knew people who was like, you know, then there were some people who were like, man, you know, okay. So now Jesus has forced me to forgive somebody. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, because that's a condemnation scripture. If you don't forgive, yeah. then your father won't forgive you. And then we tashed on to it. You can't go to heaven with sin in y'all. It'll beat you up. Right. And so, therefore, people were under condemnation. Now, I remember girl told me straight out one time she said okay her father heard her she told me i don't care what did that say you mean tell me i gotta forgive him for what he did oh my god you know this is that and you gonna tell me that i'm gonna go there and he ain't and she just wouldn't embrace that and i'm saying we take but we take scripture like that and yeah. across the head with it not understanding you know, two different covenants. Yeah. But, you know, people feel this, and then, but yeah, Me. so forgiveness is not coming from a place where it's like, okay, you know what, I'm forgiving because for me, you know, it's going to heal me versus coming from a place of, well, I got to forgive him because if I don't, God going to punish me and I can't get to heaven. And it's just that mindset of like, yeah. okay, here I am forced to do something or and if I don't, I get condemned and God is like, you know, pointing finger at me. And I, but the person in my was like, well, what about him? Yeah. What about him? What, what about what he did? Yeah. I'm not the one that did it. I'm the, one, I'm the victim here. Yeah. Instead of teaching somebody that is true that when you realize God's forgiveness and you want to forgive people, and also, I mean, I thought about myself, I go, you don't want to be angry with somebody, go, my forgiveness is not hurting them. You know, like, it, it, it right. made it perfect. I had somebody come yeah, to my mind today, I was thinking, I go, oh, I can't believe this. So it irritates me to mom do what I was talking about. I go, I work through that, I say, God, okay, let it go. Somebody in my past, but I go, I realize, I go, that's just hurting, you know, that's just hurting me, it's not hurting them. Yeah, then I think and then, you know, like I said, God healing, you know, the mm -hmm. area, like you said, whatever the girl was saying, you know. Been bad too. Okay, let me let me um share what David said. Says now again, we're talking about you know I pose the question: How do you handle the legalistic ways of the dogs, mm -hmm. right? Individuals that promote mixture, who are you know they they promote works righteousness, right? Says you do not. He said you do not talk to them. They're evil. Okay. I was thinking of the book of Samuel, King David. Right. And there's a situation there where scripture says that it talks about how evil or natural people approach David to argue or question King David. He didn't respond to them. Okay. All right. So he's looking for the scripture reference for that now. Now I'm thinking about that. I say, okay, that's a, that's a perspective. Right. Because you think about it. Now I want us to look at this again, though. Right. Now, if you look at verse 15 in Revelation 22 again, 
He says, outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. Okay, now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. And we're going to go, we're going to read verses 9 through 11. I'm going to read this in the King James. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. All right. So that's even an expanded list on what was spoken in Revelation 22, right? Look at verse 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So in verse 11 here, Paul is talking to the believers in the Corinthian church, the believers in the Corinthian church. Now, their identity was connected with what? Their behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Before, fornication, adulterers, adulterers, effeminate abusers of themselves, mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkenness, revelers, extortioners. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. But look at what he says. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. Now, do you think he's talking about perfect behavior here? No. No. He's talking about the circumcision of the heart, being born again. That's not who you are anymore. Old things passed away. All things have become brand new. Second Corinthians five. Renewing this. Right. So the drunkards, the covetous, the thieves. That's what he used to be. That's not their identity anymore. Because of the grace of God. They were saved by grace through faith. Now you read 2215. The sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers. Those who don't place their trust in Christ. But place the but they are left to be judged by their what? By their works. So they are so they are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idol worshippers, and those who live a lie. Because if, if I don't receive Christ Jesus and adopt his identity, then I'm 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 destined to stand on my own. And on my own, I'm all these things. 
And also where it says where Jesus was talking about, you know, it's a couple times referenced in the Gospels. Not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, and they said it wasn't that they were saying Lord, Lord, but the way they translated it, they didn't have any sort of punctuations. So they would put a word twice if they want you to really, like, they were shouting that word. It was not everybody who calls me Lord, and they go, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And it's, you know, somebody who tried on their own, like, oh, you know, he's my Lord, he's my Lord, you know, but you really didn't trust Jesus in your heart, you know? Yeah. Not a heart. Yeah. Did all yeah, the actions on the outside. Trust uh, him inside. On the outside, right. Lost uh, almost. But I, yeah, I do agree with David because sometimes I just don't, I don't say anything to him because I mean, it's nothing you can, in some cases, it's nothing you it's can true. do or say. If you're not led by God, just Right. It's nothing you can do or say to um, convince them, you know. And I've no. talked to people, but they, um, if they're not willing to, I've, and I said, okay. I've seen a couple of ladies that um, are very, very staunch, and they'll smile in your face and point fingers at the table. You ought, you ought to be, are you doing that? Have you changed that yet? You know you shouldn't be doing that instead of showing love. And you can't, they're smiling the whole time. You can't tell them anything. They already know. They think they know. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're judging instead of loving. Right. Yeah. That's so sad. It's just something. And they're missing out. I mean, yeah. You know. They don't understand. All he was saying, he kept saying, every time he'd say that about the faith, I go, hey, faith. Mm-hmm. So it's all connected. All goes back to the love. Hmm. Okay. I think you have to. If I always do, if it's not, if it's not motivated by love, then it's motivated. It's got to be motivated by love. Yeah. Whatever I do for God has to be motivated by love. It can't be motivated by fear. Or punishment, you know. That's what Andrew about the. I thought it was neat. He always said about the uh, finances. He goes, give all you want. He goes, if you're giving out of fear, it's only going to help the person you're giving because you're not giving from a free heart. Right. He goes, it's better to give two dollars with a free heart than to give two thousand. Like you better, or else he's going to take you and do this to you. He said, if you give me that money and you scare, he goes. I can use that the money to promote the, the kingdom. He goes, but it's not helping you. He goes, God wants to help you. Right. I want you to give with a free heart. That's good. That's good. Going back to Philippians 3. Looking at verse 3. I'm going to read this in the King James and in the Passion. It says, For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. Verse three in the Passion to read like this, he says, For we have already experienced heart circumcision, and we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Christ Jesus 
has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. So you see Paul making a distinction here that we are of the circumcision because see the, the Judaizers, mutilators of the flesh, the focus was on the physical acts, the act of circumcision as a means of righteousness. See, my thing is when you, when you are confident, or when we are confident in the flesh, then I'm responsible for the results. That's true. I'm responsible. So I, I make myself responsible for the results I get. Yeah. And so what happens when I don't get the results that the Bible says I'm supposed to get? Okay. Yeah. Now I start. Now getting kind of I start beating myself up. It's like, okay, what did I do wrong? Do I got some shit in my life? Why well, didn't get the results? Why would I have prayed for that person dead? Yeah. And so now I'm getting into all this beating myself up, condemnation, fear, judging myself. Yeah. And so, and in some cases that can lead to now I don't want to do it anymore because something must be wrong with me or yeah. I must have did something wrong. And so and then you start getting into in some cases formulas. Yeah. You know. So I think I forgot what how he used it. Um, you know, get into these okay. This you know, everybody's gotta do it this way. Yeah. You know. So if I don't do it that way, you know, and because sometimes we do and I we guilty, I mean I'm here. Um, you know, say a person gets healed one way or get blessed a certain way, and then we think that's the formula. Yeah. So everybody's got to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And they don't get the results. And so then we you know if I'm like, well, what's wrong with you? Because I got my results. You yeah. It worked for me. It's supposed to work for you. Right. Right. It's almost like when we were when I was working at Food Line and we, you know, in, in the meat department. We had a standard practices manual where this is this this is the method of how you cut a chuck steak, a chuck rolls. This is the amount of shrink you're allowed to have. This is the amount of pork stew, like beef stew, you're supposed to get out of this cut. These are standard practices. Yeah. You're supposed to reproduce this every time. And th- these are so trying to develop formulas and standard practices for the faith to earn a specific result. And that's not, that, that, that's not the That's not how you develop relationship. Right. Because at the end of the day, you, if you pull the layers back, the question is, are we looking for the results or relationship? The gift or the gift giver, all that stuff. That I mean, if if we really ask that question, you know. So it, it's. Mm. 
we can we can sit on this. I'm still tripping on that that discussion question. How do we handle the dogs? Because I'm you know I, I'm hearing what David is saying, and it's like you know I can I can receive that in part, but then there's another part where I'm thinking okay, there's there's obviously redeemable qualities. There, there, there. People are not. Everybody that is confused, who's who has mixture, they're still open. There's a there's a room for the revelation of grace to take full effect in their lives for them to lay down that mixture. Because how many yeah. of us? Because all of us sitting here. Yeah. We were there. Oh, yeah. we were there. Somebody reached out to us. I know that. Um, I know that was, was the biggest thing that ever happened to me. Just open my eyes to that. So, the reality is, the the answer is what the good news. And God knows who we're ministering to or who's around us. Like we said, the dogs. You know, the religious people who are caught in religion. I go. You know, this is something actually God told me to say this. Is I was actually one time, and I, I think I've said this before, I immediately would say this. I had this like grumpy moment with God, and it was a couple times actually. It was a couple years ago, and I go, oh gosh, religious people. And then and then I was just like, I don't care about And then I heard God, like, this was the first time God was sarcastic with me because he knew I was getting stronger before I could hear it. Because at one time it was like, he knew if he had touched you, know, I was just like, have, you know, withered or just, you know, melted. It, just, it would have just, you know, just broke my heart. But he knew I could hear this. And I was going like, religious people, and then and I heard you were one of them. Like, you know, he was, you know, like, let me know. And then I got, it was like a couple months later or something. I was thinking and praying, and God said something to me about, you know, people deal with religion. And I go like, oh, no, God, I don't know if I'm going to do that, whatever. And then there was like, I mean, just going to be cry. Like, is God touched my face gently? And he had tears in his eyes. I was like, if I had not known me, where would you be? Mm-hmm. And it just hits you, you know, to go, oh my gosh. But, you know, God you knows. Condemn. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. And it just, like, hit my heart, the core, you know, just gripped my heart. And I go, God knows. Like, we're talking about relationship. God knows exactly the people who can hear and who are just going to be really they're just not going to listen. Yeah. And then the ones who do, and he'll lead us to the right people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so those who are rejoicing, rejoicing in the Lord are presenting right fruit for people for others to eat. Right? And that's what the good that's what the, the good news reproduces is fruit. Because how freeing is it? I mean, that I can get off the hamster wheel and I don't have to get back on it anymore. God loves me regardless. It's unconditional. He already paid the price for me. So he's not setting up a, a, he doesn't have a list of things that I got to accomplish before I can make it in. He did it for me because he knew I couldn't do it. He knew you couldn't do it. None of us meet the standard, but he met it for us and opened the door. Thank you, Jesus. Set the table. He just says, Will you believe it? We are saved by grace through faith.
All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.